0: Good morning, church. You ever gone fishing? Really? None of you? Okay. Did you catch anything? You ever take the, the picture of the fish you caught, you know, where you hold the fish like this in the camera right here so it looks huge? I mean, obviously, you wouldn't do that. But, you, you know, people do that, right? Because it makes it, it makes it look bigger than it is. That's a trick that they call perspective. And perspective and scale, they, they can be tricky. I'll give you some examples real quick, just things off the top of my head. Um, working at the office, it gets to be about noontime, you can to take your lunch break, Right? How far would you go for lunch? Twenty miles, it's pretty far for a lunch. Um, but now let's flip that around. Let's say you're uh, driving on an interstate road trip. You're getting hungry. Twenty miles is, well, it's coming up pretty quick. You know, start getting nervous about missing your exit. About eighteen miles, right? It's the same distance. Just feels different, you know? Uh, as a parent, grown man who's cresting the hill, crested the hill? Oof. Uh, there are days when I just want to sit quietly for like 10 minutes. But then, if you're a, like a first grade boy full of energy and ideas, sitting quietly for Five minutes feels like an eternity. If you're a nine-month-old puppy, we consider it a major victory when she can sit still for 15, minutes, 15 seconds on command. I know because Alicia called me across the house to show me this. If you're a little kid and you have $100 in the bank, You're rolling, right? You're an adult with $100 in the bank. You might be worried about how you're going to pay for both groceries and gas. You won't, (laughs) just just to let you know. What's what's the difference? The same amount. What's a lot? What's a little? How many is a few? How many is many? There's no absolute answer to those questions, right? It all depends on context and point of view. Our uh, scripture today opened with what I would consider to be kind of an awkward question. guy rolls up to Jesus and he says, Okay, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? Now, the text doesn't tell us who asked that question, but you know, you've got to give him props for being direct at least. But what would, what would prompt somebody to ask a question like that? What was he hearing that made him start to think that? When we think about salvation, right, and by extension, when we think about the gospel and the words of Jesus, Sometimes we try to make Jesus marketable, you know? We talk about salvation as if it's the easiest thing in the world. Jesus paid it all. The gospel is totally free, and there are no strings attached. All that is true. But it seems to me that sometimes we can kind of gloss over some of the hard things Jesus has to say. Jesus makes it clear that following him isn't easy at all. Much of what Jesus preaches will make anyone who is listening very, at all, very uncomfortable. Throughout this season of Lent, and you know, it is a season, Easter is on the horizon, but for now, We've been thinking a lot, and last week in particular, we've been thinking a lot about the importance of repentance. The call to repentance is the last thing most of us want to hear. And especially if you're comfortable with your position in life, the last thing you want is that God wants you to change. But it is the case, it's a fact that you can't follow Jesus on your own terms. You can't follow Jesus and call the shots. To follow Jesus, there's a lot you have to let go of. Pride, for starters. Self-righteousness. Sometimes wealth, sometimes friends, and even sadly, sometimes family. That's not written in the fine print. Jesus doesn't hide this message, he's really upfront about it. Maybe we try to hide that stuff for him. But that doesn't really do anybody any good. The door is narrow, and you might have to become quite a bit smaller, quite a bit less, if you're going to squeeze through it. I might be getting ahead of myself. So let's let's get back to that guy asking the question. He wants to know if only a few are going to be saved. How do you answer that? On the one hand, we have the vision from Revelation. I was talking to somebody else about Revelation before church today, actually. Um, There's a vision in Revelation about this countless multitude of people, literally more than anyone could count from every nation, tribe, and language who are gathered around the throne of God. That's a multitude in the absolutely truest sense of the word. Would you call that a few people? But then the way that Jesus answers him makes you like maybe, makes you think maybe yes, right? Because what Jesus says to him, I'm going to skip a little bit, because what he says is brilliant. But I want to get to this first. He says, "Many will seek to enter and not be able." So does that sound like a lot are getting in? I don't. Countless multitudes, just a few. Well, I suppose that depends on your context and your point of view. If you're on the outside, I think it might seem like only a few are getting in. After all, look at all the folks who didn't make it in. But from the inside, I think it might be surprising just how numerous and diverse the multitude is. But the first thing he says to the man is, will only if you be saved? Jesus looks at the man and says, get yourself through that door. Other people are a secondary concern. He says to the man, go get through that door. Now, we haven't discussed it explicitly yet. You probably have intuited this, but When Jesus talks about the narrow door, he is being metaphorical, right? The way into heaven is not a literal door or gate in the conventional sense of those words. But that doesn't mean that the door isn't real because the narrow door is very real. It just looks different than whatever a contractor hung on the front of your house, right? So what is it? What does the metaphor mean? Well, you know, my first impulse, after all, I've been in Sunday school, is to say, Jesus, right? Kind of the catch-all answer for every question in church. But um, I think that's almost right, but then the story gets kind of weird. Because halfway through the story, the homeowner comes out, and he closes the door for good. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His rule and his reign are eternal. So the idea of Jesus somehow like closing or stopping, that seems a little off to me. So rather than saying that Jesus in his person is the door, I don't think that's quite right. I think maybe it'd be better to think about the door as the gospel. So to unpack that, let's talk about reasons that people don't make it through the door. There's a couple different groups you can see in the story. There are some folks who find the door but don't enter it. Maybe, maybe they were brought to the door by someone else who knew the owner of the house. Maybe they, you know, were just checking out all the local real estate. You know, they're just checking out all the houses in the neighborhood, and they happened upon that one. There are any number of ways that people might have found the door. And there are a variety of reasons that people might not have entered. Like for some, like I was talking about earlier, maybe there are some who just were so attached to their baggage that they couldn't fit through the door with it and they'd rather hold on to it. People that refuse to strip it off or to stoop low, or make themselves small. People who are too attached to the way they are now to diminish in any way. For others, maybe, they were reluctant to commit to one door. I mean, look at how many doors there are. They want to keep their options open. Or maybe, you know, they they want to Embrace what they like about all the houses, but never give themselves over to one entirely. Still others might believe that the owner of the house is a bad person. Maybe they think he's cruel or vain or foolish. Maybe they think if he really wanted people, he should have made a bigger door. They may know where the door is, but they want no part of that house. But there's another group that don't make it in, and they're probably the most tragic of all. It's the folks who come to the door too late. See, at some point, the owner of the house gets up and closes and locks the door, and that's it. Turns on the no vacancy light. And that's it. I think in short order, the whole crowd, whatever their reason for not going in, becomes that group. Door shuts and they finally realize what they missed. At that point, they accept the truth of their situation, but the moment is past. Now, I don't delight that that's the case. I accept as a fact that this is a thing that will happen to some people. But I'll tell you what, I would like the number of people standing out in the cold to be as small as possible. I want to do what I can to walk people by the hand to that narrow door as long as it's open. I want people to know what the guy inside that house is like while the door's still open. I don't want to be the guy who's thinking about how few people will be saved, because he's asking the wrong question. Right? That kind of thinking. like why do you ask that question? I, I think either you have some doubt that you're going to make it in, or maybe you've got some pride that you're in the uh, exclusive club. You made the cut. I think that that's the wrong way to look at it. The right way is to first strive for the narrow door. To strip off everything that's holding you back. Uh, But the right way also is to point other people to that door. You can't make anybody go through it, you know. But you can do what you can to help people find it. You can say to them, look, friend, it's open now. Inside that house is life, and that door is open now. And the owner of that house has invited you in. Not everybody will go. But I'd like everybody to have the chance. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that that you have opened the door to us, that the gospel of Jesus Christ has found us, and that we can come in. We pray, Lord, that you'll help us to set aside everything that holds us back. And all the stuff that we want to hold on to that gets in the way, Lord, that you'd help us let go of it. But Lord, we also pray for those other folks who, for whatever reason, are standing outside. We pray, Lord, that through our witness and through our encouragement, a few more would step through the door. Lord, it breaks our hearts to know anybody would be left out in the cold, and we know it breaks yours too. So help us to be people who invite, people who share the good news, people who bear a true witness to who you are, people who show our love, who show your love and our welcome. Thank you. Thank you for welcoming us in.